Hey, it is days away from 2020. We're actually ending this decade pretty soon in a couple of days. And so, yeah, here I am with podcast episode 13 of Peach Neon Ping Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment, including K dramas, Korean movies, Korean variety shows. K-pop, of course, and my favorite K-beauty products. So, guys, yeah, this is Peaching on Pink Ramblings, and we're already on episode 13. Super, super excited for pretty much ringing in 2020. Um, as usual, I am back today on a Monday with an episode for you guys. And it is a very exciting episode because I'm talking about a drama that... I started off 2019 with and end up enjoying and kind of brought me into a whirlwind romance with a K-pop group. So, um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Korean drama. He is psychometric starring my favorite member of God seven Park Jin Young, um, and a whole bunch of new actors and actresses in the cast. So then we're going to talk about a couple of, kind of ongoing also kind of like up and coming korean dramas of certain actors and actresses that i am like enjoyed dramas before so we're going to talk a little bit about that um including a comeback drama for lee min ho who i'm gonna explain why i actually like love this guy um when we talk about it later um on the k-pop side we're gonna talk about two amazing k-pop ladies vocalists with amazing voices um anda and heis and we're gonna like talk and compare about their two songs that i actually am loving right now they're quite different genres of music but also it is just feminist girl power type of songs that are so fun to listen to so we're going to talk about that in the k-pop section of this podcast and lastly in the k-beauty i am back with another toner uh review of a toner i know last time i talked about um a toner from its skin now i'm going to talk about a toner from dear claire's which is a brand actually that i have been loving for a while now but this is actually only like the third product that I've tried from them, but I've enjoyed and actually liked all the products that I've got, I've tried from them so far. So we're going to talk about another toner in the K-Beauty section. So definitely listen on and join me in ringing in 2020 with episode 13 of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. I am back and this is the K-drama section of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. And oh my god, super excited tonight because we're actually going to talk about a Korean drama that had actually become quite close to my heart in the beginning of this year. And I'm kind of just pretty excited that I'm closing off 2019 talking about this drama um, I actually can't believe that I didn't talk about this drama earlier in earlier podcasts, but 
um, I don't know. I just kind of let it simmer in there and kind of, you know, think about it more a little bit. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, a drama called He is Psychometric. It is starring Park Jin Young, Shin Ye Yun, Kim Kwon, and Kim Da Sum. Um, as usual, I'm going to be reading you guys a description that I got off online. You guys know me. I like pretty much just stealing off synopsis online. So we're going to read off a synopsis from hellokpop.com, uh, which says, An apartment complex fire deeply affected the lives of Lee An, Kang Sungmo, and Yoon Jae-in. Though Lee An lost his parents in the tragedy 14 years ago, he formed a filial bond with Kang Sungmo, the teenager who saved his life. He also discovered that he has a psychometric ability, which he struggled to deal with. Meanwhile, Yoon Jae-in mostly lived her teenage years with anxiety and panic attacks every time she talks about her family. Her father went to jail because of the said apartment fire. After years of trying to figure out the events surrounding the tragic accident, Lee-An and Yoon Jae-in would have to face the hard truth. Their past is trying to catch up with them as more evidences are casting doubts on the guilt of Jane's father and shifting focus to another serious crime connected to Kang Sung-mo's childhood. So that's a bit of the synopsis of the drama. I thought that was a pretty good, amazing um, little bit of a recap of the plot of the drama. Um, so he is psychometric, also known by the title That Psychometric Guy. You guys all know Korean dramas come with like four or five different English titles. And yeah, um, pretty much he's psychometric, that psychometric guy, or in Korean, Psychometru Gun Yonsok in Korean, in Hangul. Um, this drama aired on TVN f- the beginning of this year, the first quarter. Pretty much from March till about end of April um, 2019. It is currently available here on my side of the world in the States with English subtitles on Viki. It might be available on Netflix for you guys if you are somewhere in Asia. Um, I believe so. It's also available on another uh, couple few more platforms on Vue. Just Google it. It's somewhere online with English subtitles. Um but for me, I watch it on Viki, which is an amazing platform. You guys know, all know that I love Viki. Um, this is pretty much an ensemble cast, but it is consisting of a lot of mostly new actors and actresses in the Korean drama land. Um, they're not that well known or they don't have that much K-dramas under their belt. And this is specifically quite true for the lead actor, Park Jin Young, who actually is uh, an idol turned actor. Um, and if you guys don't know yet from the intro, I this is the drama that made me fall in love with God7 um, and made Park Jin Young my bias in that group. Um, so for me, I actually discovered him first sort of as an actor than as a k-pop idol um but this is pretty much his first uh lead role so it's that's significant (laughs) as usual as most of the more 
well-produced Korean dramas are in Korea and Seoul. This is also produced by Studio Dragon, which produces a lot of the Korean dramas for the major cable channels in Korea and end up getting exported internationally. Um, a little bit more of information. This is directed by Kim Byung-soo, who you might no, he also discover, um, discovered. He also directed uh, Bride of the Water God, which I have yet to watch. It's it's in my list. I have this list of Korean dramas from the past like two or three years that I still have to actually watch. Uh, and Bride of the Water God is definitely one of those. It has uh, Shin Se Kyung and Nam Joo Hyuk, I believe, and it seems just very interesting type of fusion Seiguk fantasy type of drama. Um, Kim Byung Soo also directed a Korean Odyssey with Lee Seung Gi, and you guys all know how I feel about the Korean Odyssey. Um, I always still joke about it with my sister, um, because she ended up watching the entire 16 episode run of a Korean Odyssey, and I think I only really watched until like episode six or seven, and I gave up. Um, uh, not that it wasn't fun; it was just not my cup of tea. And then I ended up just kind of giving up in the middle of it. But my sister still kind of looms it over my head that I, I tricked her into watching a whole 16 uh, episode Korean drama, even though I didn't watch the entire run myself. So <laughs> that's my story about a Korean Odyssey, if I haven't mentioned it before in a previous podcast episode. Um, so because it is produced by Studio Dragon, it is well-produced drama. Um, this is not the kind of story, though, that lends itself to, like, amazing, beautiful cinematography. But it does quite well in portraying, like, realistically daily life of, um, especially, like, the high school setting in the beginning. And when, um, the main leads actually grow up and have actual, like, jobs. So... Um, Studio Dragon was always one of those production companies that you can be rest assured that's going to bring out a good Korean drama. Um, let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about the narrative. It has a very, very interesting narrative. Um, the drama opens up with a scene where there is this woman that is escaping an apartment complex and then suddenly chaos ensues because a fire breaks out in the apartment complex. People are trying to escape. Um, there's just utter chaos and then there is just devastating events that follow this fire. Um, it is pretty much the catalytic event that will end up changing the lives of two young kids and this mysterious teenager namely it, the characters of Lee An, Kang Sumo and Yoon Jae-in. Um like I said the the beginning um I wouldn't say it's a very typical K-drama opener. Um uh, it's not bad. It's not also revolutionary at all. It's not like, you know, groundbreaking. I mean, but it is it kind of knows what it is just from the beginning it knows that there's gonna be this quirky sort of supernatural sort of like uh 
not a straight like Korean drama. This is definitely not like a slice of life, but nor is it like a straight like supernatural supernatural mystery genre type of Korean drama. It just kind of knows what it's like what it is. It's like this is what uh kind of Korean drama I am and um that's what I'm going to present to you just from the beginning and the opening scene. Um it there's already that mystery in the beginning. Um and there's also already hints of the supernatural and like kind of like his supernatural ability um explained in the first few episodes so you're not thrown into a drama kind of blindly kind of um guessing what the genre is um i would say that is specifically true for the first third of the drama but it Towards the end, you kind of got get a little bit of a whiplash feeling just because um, just when the stories and the plot line start to converge, then it kind of loses its quirky, funny, more bumbling character personality of the drama. And it kind of goes dark quite quickly. And we don't get a lot of breathing room of a more lighter feel to the drama like we did in the first half or the first third of the um of the drama. But I feel like the whiplash feeling kind of comes from it not specifically because it comes on very suddenly, the change of tone, but just because... It was just a lot of the plot line and the stuff going on getting thrown in that it just kind of like hits you fast. So that's what the whiplash feeling is all about. Um, let's talk about the actors that are in this drama, mainly because um, I am a person who loves to talk about God7, especially Park Jin Young. So we're going to talk about him in this podcast, of course. Um, so let's talk about Park Jin Young. He was, uh, previously in Legend of the Blue Sea. He was, uh, in this indie movie called A Stray Goat. Um, and he plays Theon. Um, fun fact, and I do know a lot of, like, random facts about Park Jin Young just because he's my bias in GOT7 if I haven't said that enough you can probably play like uh, a drinking game during this podcast just take shots every time I say GOT7 and Park Jin Young because I'm probably going to say it a million times in this podcast so you've been fairly warned (laughs) but uh, yeah fun fact he actually actually Park Jin Young actually debuted as an actor in Dream High 2 I think or something Way back before, like, I think early 2010s, um, beginning of the decade, um, before he actually debuted uh, as part of God 7, like a couple years after. So he, he was actually an actor, technically, before he became an idol, a K-pop idol. But he's mostly known for God 7 now as uh, one of the uh, vocalists of the group. Um... So yeah, um, about every year he does tend to do a drama, but this year was the year where he ended up snagging the lead role, which is here, and um, he is psychometric. So um, he plays Leon. He is, um, I, 
immediately immediately loved the character because he was already quite endearing even just our first introduction to um to on he is this just like adorable awkward like happy-go-lucky teen um that has a personality of like a very excitable lovable puppy type of a guy <laughs> um but even then he you can already tell he has this underlying fear of touching others because of his psychometry like his unusual ability so pretty much the whole conceit of this drama is that he gets this condition after he um has a head injury from the fall so um from the fire uh kang sungmo um ends up saving leon by actually jumping from i think the second or third floor into a car and they suffer um on actually suffers head trauma and that causes him to have this unusual supernatural ish type of ability that when he has uh skin to skin contact with another person he ends up seeing their memories and their emotions their feelings and he kind of ends up like you know intrinsically feeling it himself and experiencing that um there's just this like sadness within the character even though he appears very like happy-go-lucky um and he smiles often that there's just this sadness in him because of the tragedy that happens to him um that started this whole drama pretty much the, the whole story the plot line um that his parents die so he becomes an orphan and gains this ability that isn't wouldn't necessarily be that great <laughs> in terms of a superpower so i don't know i mean this drama explores that idea that maybe this is not exactly like a superpower that a teenager would want to have or keep <laughs> maybe the ability to fly or levitate would probably more much be be much more fun for a kid but uh yeah he ends up getting this ability um before I watched He is Psychometric, I haven't I didn't haven't really like watched Park Jin Young as an actor. Um I sorta of knew about him in terms of just like being a member of God Seven, um, but not like specifically his filmography uh or the K dramas that he has been in. Um he's actually played just a lot of like uh roles as the younger um version of so and so the lead actor so the um he hasn't really done any uh significant dramas that are considered a main lead aside from this one he's psychometric um what i love actually because after watching he is psychometric i became such a huge fan that it it was so interesting discovering how he attacked this role because i think what happens when uh a k-pop idol or somebody in k-pop a singer and idol you know transitions to being being an actor um there's always this prejudice that they're just like using their like fame and their clout as a k-pop idol to get roles as uh and act or get into acting so um and at first too i kind of thought 
oh, he wouldn't be that great because he's a K-pop idol. He's not really an actor. But actually, he is steadily kind of building his repertoire and his skills as an actor. And you can kind of tell it how it's, tell this at how he actually portrays on because like i said on uh in the first like half of the series is a teenager he he really is kind of just this lovable like dork um kind of a little bit dumb aside from his like like ability he's kind of a bit of a dimwit <laughs> And for me, the enjoyment of it is as I discovered him more as an actor and this, you know, um, characterization of On is that Park Jun-yeon actually um, within God 7 is actually more of a serious kind of like savage, um, judgy kind of, but yet also very caring type of person. And... It is so funny to me because um, I think he had an interview about what his like inspirations are for the character of Leon. And he actually mentioned specific uh, characteristics or that he pulled from the other members of God 7. So that to me is just funny now as a big fan of God 7 because as I began to know more of each of the members of the group, I could definitely see which parts of Leon are those like that came from those God 7 members. Specifically, like I would say like the whole like uh happy go lucky persona is very much pulled from the magnes of the group, the younger uh, members of the group, Bam Bam and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, the playfulness and all that stuff definitely stems from them. Um, how they're just very chill, that aspect of on in the beginning of the series. Um, the, his personality of being this just lovable puppy is very much taken from Jackson, who is just, you know, pretty much in the group they call him um Wangge Parke because they're like um Jackson's kinda like the puppy character, the pup um like playful, um, very sociable, very flirty um member of the group. And there's definitely an aspect of that that Park Jin Young definitely pulled from and infused in how he um created the character of on. Um, I think that the casting worked really well because this is the kind of drama that you don't want to cast very well-known actors and actresses because they already have um, K-drama viewers like myself already have a predisposed notion of uh, their acting ability and also like their previous characters. So there's always that like baggage that more well-known actors carry even though you end up immersing yourself in the Korean drama as the drama unfolds uh, but the beauty of casting somebody like Park Jin Young in the main lead is that he doesn't have that much of a uh, filmography to go back on so uh, his characterization of On is quite fresh and like nuanced because he's just pulling from real life people around him um to develop a, a personality or a characterization that's way different from his like pretty much real life personality so um 
to me as now a big fan of God Seven, it is so funny to actually see little tiny like pieces of the other God Seven members um in Leon because it's it's kinda pretty much like Jin Young's like love letter to his bros um in the group um in like creating this character. It's pretty much telling them that um this is like the this is how much uh our friendship means to us that I'm actually taking parts of your personality into um my character in this drama. So and within the group too got seven, uh the other one of the other members, Mark Tuan, he's actually a big K drama fan, as I think most of them are. Um and they're very supportive of Jin Young. Um and actually, uh, I th- talked about just two, uh, which is the unit, uh, subunit with JB and Yugyum. Um, and they're one of their songs, Take. Uh, I think I talked about Focus on Me. I'm not sure. Can't remember. But their song, Take, is actually one of uh, the songs in the soundtrack for He is Psychometric. So um, it's just, for me, it's so heartwarming as a fan because... Uh, got seven other members have pretty much like really supported Jin Young in his like you know career as an actor um as a character itself it you can really like see the growth of the character um and the way Jin Young acts it out is not specifically perfect but sufficient enough for this kind of drama because it's not a drama that's supposed to be like super high caliber. It's not like, you know, with all these actors that are like top build, like A list actors in Korea. So it's it's enough for this type of drama. Same way I had felt about Love Alarm, um, because it is not a drama that was written or built to have A list actors. So same thing with this when he's psychometric. Um Enough talk about Jin Young. We're going to go back to him in a bit when I talk about a little bit more about the plot. But we're going to talk about another actor that I actually discovered in He is Psychometric. And now I do enjoy watching Kim Kwon, who is, who was in Marry Me Now. He was also more recently in Leverage, which I, which I loved him there. He, I finished Leverage. And I think I didn't talk about it in a podcast episode, but he is amazing there as well. He plays Kang Sumo. He uh, pretty much his fate intertwines with Leon as he saves him from the fire that breaks out from their apartment building. He is somewhat mysterious and brooding as a teen, which interestingly enough is played by uh, Jo Byung-gyu, actor, uh, young actor Jo, uh, jo Byung-gyu, who was famously in that juggernaut uh, Korean drama, Sky Castle, if you don't know. And actually, these two actors, Jo Byung-gyu and Kim Kwon, are not actually far apart in age. I think only like less than five years. Um, so <laughs> interestingly enough, Jo Byung-gyu plays a, still plays a lot of teenager roles, even though he's like in his mid-20s already. Um, anyway, they got distracted with that tangent. Uh Kang Sumo becomes a prosecutor, although he is quite very cold. He does have this lovable and caring relationship towards Leon. Uh, Leon calls uh, Sumo his young, um, 
and they pretty much have looked out for each other since their Leon was a child and um Soma was a teenager because of what has happened in the apartment building. Um I remember reading some reviews about Kim Kwon's acting. Um, that's saying that he might have not been sufficient enough of an actor or his acting chops would was not sufficient enough to kind of um, develop this character toward, till the end of the series. And I sort of, sort of partially agree with that. Um, I think uh, he was quite compelling in the first third of the um the series of the drama but towards the end it's just so many things have piled on and have happened that i think the character kind of got away from him which is not entirely his fault as an actor i feel like it um and i'm not just saying that because i like the actor um just because um kong soma as a character just really jumped off into the dark side towards the end and there was just too many variables too many things to like keep track of and explore that i think after a while just kind of like um the shifts in his character kind of become very muddy and you don't i feel like I kind of got lost and I feel like that's what the actor had to deal with as well. Um, I think Kim Kwon is a good actor. I look forward to seeing him in more Korean dramas. I look forward to actually, I mean, that's why I actually watched Leverage because um, I, I was already a fan of Lee Dong-gun and um, Jun Hae-bin. But... Also, I mean, I really like Kim Kwon, so um, that was definitely a plus for me when I won when I started watching Leverage. So, um, so yeah, that that's my thoughts about uh Kang Sung Mo, um, as a character and Kim Kwon as an actor. <laughs> um, and then let's talk about Shin Ye Yun. She was in eighteen. She is quite a relatively new actress. She's also under JYP Actors, uh, same management company as Park Jin Young. Um, the only other credits that I think is quite um, significant to talk about is that she's going to be in a new Korean drama called Welcome with Kim Young-soo or Elle from Infinite. Uh next year in 2020 so um she's slowly building like that um that that repertoire that filmography as a k-drama actress um and she's getting there she she is quite promising already um she is also currently i believe a host for music bank one of the korean music shows that you know k-pop idols go to um, she stars as Yoon Jae-in. Um, Jae-in is, when you meet her, she's already fiercely smart and resourceful. Um, she ends up first reuniting with Ahn in high school, despite somewhat forgetting that they had actually previously met in the same apartment building. Um, Jae-in ends up suffering from a quite 
an emotional trauma of seeing her father, um, who actually used to be a firefighter, but uh, was currently working as a security guard at the apartment building. And he ends up being falsely accused and put into jail. Um, this is uh, the event in her life that spurns her to want to become a police officer. So she does later become a rookie police officer who is assigned to a station in this kind of like small town outside of Seoul. Um, Shin Yeon, like I said, is relatively new, but I liked her, um, the way she acted in the series just because um, she never really overshoots like the acting she never overacts she never kind of tries to make it and how should i say it like bites off more than she can chew like i feel like when she attacked this role as jn she knew what the limits are of her her acting um and she delivers that much to that level um there's a few points that she does kind of come across as annoying but I think it's more because the character is supposed to be more um, very moral and rigid and like very focused on um, her goal as a police officer. Um, and of course, um, Leanne and Yoon Jae-in end up falling in love because of course it's a Korean drama and there is always a love line Um and sort of love triangle? I don't know. It became kind of weird, like I said, towards the latter third of this drama. Because um, I think the writers were trying to kind of have a love triangle between her, An, and Songmo. But then it didn't really pan through. And it was just sort of there in the edge. But they didn't go through with it. So it just it was this awkward sort of love triangle thing going on but not really a love triangle i don't know um throughout the series you really as for me as a drama you know a korean drama enthusiast a, a lover of korean dramas i already kind of knew that jane and uh An was supposed to be the end game and uh it was just like a weird kind of veering like little detour in the plot line um that they sort of kind of made it appear that jane sort of likes somo uh, i don't know it, like i said it was just right at the edge and they were just like tiptoeing in the edge of the edge of the water but they don't really dip their foot in into the cold water i uh, the writers kind of lost me there as well in the the latter third of the drama um and then we round off this uh, cast with Kim Dasom, who is more well known as a member of K-pop group Sistar. She was also in a Korean drama called Mrs. Kim, Miss Kim's Mystery. She stars as Yoon Jisoo, um, who is a childhood friend of Songmo. She is a detective under the Special Investigation Unit. She is also the daughter of the police commissioner, uh, which is quite significant in the story. Um, she often asks on to help her uh, during the cases. And um, she does have this very cute secret crush on Sungmo, uh, but was always like friend zoned, which is so sad because she's such a cool lady detective police officer that um, I had wished they had explored that specific part of the plot line a little bit better, but they didn't. 
And um, she, I think, can of all the dramas I watched this year, um, I would say is the most like tragic death in a drama so far. Um, not because of the way she specifically died in the drama, but just um, Jisoo deserved more. And she got killed off like about midway to the series. And um, I get it that it's supposed to be like that additional like push for on to develop his abilities and to further the plot line. Um, but she, I feel like her character just got gypped, which is really sad. Um, Kim does some actually quite a good actress as well. Uh, a newbie, like I said, this is an ensemble cast that's made out of a lot of newer actors. Um, I really, really hope that they cast her and Kim Kwon in an actual proper rom-com because they do have quite this cute chemistry uh, within the drama, um, which made it a lot more heartbreaking when um, Jisoo ends up getting killed and never pretty much confessed her feelings to Sungmo. And Sungmo like, de- finds out and realizes it belatedly after her death that he actually has feelings for her, um, but he already friend-zoned her. So I am actually sort of wishing that they do... Um, that. Kim Dasum and Kim Kwon actually end up getting cast in a proper, proper uh, rom-com drama in the future because they would actually pair really quite well because they have such great chemistry. Um, so pretty much um, if I need to kind of like package the entire Korean drama in a whole is that um, as a whole, in a whole, that's so weird. Oh my gosh. Uh, as a whole, <laughs> um, all of our main characters pretty much are connected by the apartment fire, the Young Song apartment fire, in one way or another. And it is the ongoing mystery throughout the series that took the longest to just unravel. It took the longest to peel off each layer. Um, and it's it's quite tragic because An um, ends up becoming an orphan and loses his parents to the fire. Jane's father be, uh, goes to jail because he's falsely co- uh, accused of it. Uh, Jesus' father, who is the police commissioner, but back then at that time he was the uh, ch- like the lead detective uh, on the case, uh, ends up covering the whole um, crime of what has happened, and. Sungmo, at first, we think that he is just a a tragic like victim as well, um, uh, because his mom ends up dying in the fire. But we later surprise in the uh Bunjun in the twist of uh this drama. We later find out that he's actually much more deviously and much more darkly connected to the whole fire. Um, I mean, let, uh, let's go back a little bit to Park Jun Young. I know I said <laughs> enough about talking about Park Jun Young. Um, take another shot if you're playing that game. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to talk a little bit more again like, about On because he is the main character. Um, it is pretty much he is psychometric, um, is a look into journey of on growing up from this 
like adorable puppy of a teenager into somebody who is a lot more responsible and a lot more uh driven towards the future and uh you know has actual plans for the future um because as the korean drama viewers we already know um that even in the beginning that jayan is actually the daughter of the security guard that um was you know unjustly framed as the arsonist um and then throughout the middle part of the series as we uh get emotionally invested with on and jayan falling in love like the first initial flutterings of the heart and their first kind of crushes on each other and that feelings of love and affection developing we already know that this is there is this like you know as with every k drama there is this like time bomb of a conflict that is just ticking you know above them because when on pretty much um becomes aware that um the girl that he has fallen in love with is a daughter of the man that he hates the most because uh f- to him he's the guy who killed his parents he's the arsonist is is pretty much that hu- that first mountain that on has to climb over um uh, to further to further develop that like as a person and um he he goes through this part in the drama which i love the most and how um park jin young actually um acted this part out because you can really see that he reasons out and processes um his feelings um towards Jayen and how he supposed to like resolve that conflict within him knowing that um in his mind he thinks that Jayen's dad is uh the one who's responsible for his parents death um after he he processes through that it actually um cues us more into the character developing this emotional maturity um and that's what moves us from on being like more of this like um happy go lucky teenager into somebody who has matured in his 20s um that actually has a better grasp at his life um it doesn't really um make him less flawed as a human but um he becomes very self-aware of the um not just of like the pain that he feels when he physically um has contact skin to skin contact with another person but that he he is able to also inflict pain because of his ability um the the relationship between him uh and Jayen becomes much more complicated and much more mature because um he has this ability of looking into Jayen's feelings and her emotions and the trauma that she experiences because of the whole fire ex- um fire that happened but sh- uh on the opposite end Jayen doesn't have um that luxury of being able to to see what uh on truly feels so there's that block um that happens between the their you know burgeoning young love pretty much um 
But because we're seeing on grow up, this is when we see that he's able to reflect on what is justifiable to use his ability in and what's not justifiable and what is like wrong in using his skills too. So there's that good like journey in towards, you know, as we go through each episode of the series. Um I'm going to talk a little bit of just like random stuff also before I end this section. Um there is a cameo from Lee Jong-hyuk who was in Truno the Slave Hunters, A Gentleman's Dignity. He played uh Aunt's dad actually who is a police officer. So that was a very interesting cameo. Um the the big bad, the villain of the series, uh Lee is played by Lee Sung Jun who is Oh my god, in probably every like Korean drama <laughs> um in the past few years, he's one of those supporting actors that I like you see in almost every drama he was in. Descendants of the Sun, he was in Mr. Sunshine recently, he was in Still Seventeen, uh he was also in Memories of Alhambra. He plays Kang Guntek, who is Songmo's actual uh, biological dad, and he's the murderer and the real arsonist of the fair. And he the character is just very chillingly a villain and uh like very scary, a psychopath that's just like very unfeeling and doesn't um there's it I mean when they introduced him in the uh midway in the series, you're just like, Oh my god, this is the type of uh villain, the big bad that was really horrifying and um if you watch this drama you'll you'll definitely get that once you see him introduced so uh amazing amazing actor and of course i would be amiss to not mention my favorite k-drama adrushi kim Won-hae. he <laughs> he has cameos and roles in every like korean drama possible i think and here he plays, he has a very short cameo role as on and Jane's math teacher who kind of goes a little bit batshit crazy on uh, Jane. Uh, but it's definitely a character, like a, a cameo character that stands out. And you guys know, I love Kim Won-hae. He's my favorite, favorite uh, K-drama, Adrushi, uh, and I always look forward uh to seeing him in a korean drama he's kind of like that where's waldo character that when you watch a korean drama and you spot him you're like oh my god it's him it's the korean adrushi um and it's just so enjoyable to actually spot him in a korean drama because he's such a great actor whether he does a cameo he does a supporting role uh whether he plays the dad role or something he's always such a great um actor to be in a drama in um, so yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on he is psychometric. Uh, we're going to go on a tiny, tiny bit of a break and we're going to talk about a couple of Korean dramas that I am looking forward to uh, in 2020. If you're still playing that drinking game, 
take a shot because I'm going to talk about Park Jin Young again. <laughs> But this time, because it is, he had just recently got casted as one of the leads of another Korean drama that's going to premiere next year、um, in 2020 called The Most Beautiful Time of My Life. This is a Korean drama that tells of a story of a man and a woman in their 40s who encountered the most beautiful time of their lives for the second time after reuniting、uh, with their first loves. So,、uh, in this series, actually, Jin Young is going to play the lead character of Han Jae Hyun in his 20s. He is a、uh, university, yeah, university, university student、um, who is tall, handsome, campus heartthrob. Perfect casting, right?、Um, he is also first in his class and he is hoping to be a lawyer someday. Um, then one day, by chance, he ends up joining a series of student protests that is ongoing in the setting of the drama in the 1990s.、Um, he is the character Han Jaehyun is going to be played、um, by Yu Ji Tae in the latter half of the drama、um, when he is in his 40s. And the female lead is going to be Lee Bo Young. Uh, Yuji Tae is one of those just like straight up, you know, good actors. He always, whether he's in a supporting or in a lead role, he is hands down like a, an amazing K drama actor. So I'm excited、uh, for Jin Young to be part of this cast.、Um, he is definitely like starting off the new year with another Korean drama. And、um, I'm so excited for him. And、I'm, I am thinking he's gonna do really well. He, this is a drama that has a lot of more seasoned actors with Yuji Tae on the helm and Lee Bo Young. So,、uh, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he does really well just because his he's playing the character, the younger version again.、Um, but he. That will lay the foundation for the story that Yuji Tae and Lee Bo Young are going to tell in the next half of the,、uh, the drama. So, very, very crucial role.、Um, another Korean drama that I have had my eyes on that they had recently announced is called The King Eternal Monarch. This is the comeback drama for、uh, Lee Min Ho. Who I first, 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 fell in love with、uh, when he played Gu Jun Pyo in、uh, Boys Over Flowers,、uh, which is such a big Korean drama. It's a remake of、uh, originally a Japanese like, manga, became a Japanese drama movie.、Uh, it Was made into a very famous Taiwanese series called Meteor Garden.、Um, this is Boys Over Flowers, this is a drama that you know spurned the, the, the song Almost Paradise that every K drama lover of the past decade would know. <laughs>、uh, he was also in Legend of the Blue Sea with Jun Ji Hyun.、Um, He is playing、uh, the role of、uh, the powerful Korean Emperor Lee Gon, who tries to close the door that connects、uh, both worlds of a parallel universe.、Uh, 
this is the drama that will serve as Lee Min Ho's reunion with writer Kim Yoon Suk uh, six years after the series the airs. Um, he is co-starring with him is actually Kim Go Yoon, who more famously uh, is known for uh, Goblin or Guardian, the Great and Lonely God with Gong Yoo uh, and Lee Dong Wook. Uh, she was recently in a Korean movie, Tune In for Love with Jung Hae-in. Um, she is on the other side of the parallel universe. Uh, she plays the role of, uh, South Korean detective Jung Tae-yul. Um, yeah, this already just has the makings of a, a good, uh, fantasy fusion Sega-ish drama. Um... So I'm I'm definitely excited for that. <laughs> Additionally, uh Wu Duan, who is one of my favorites from my country, The New Age. I talked about this series in a previous podcast episode, uh episode eleven, I believe. Episode ten or episode eleven. Um, he is also slated to be part of the main cast. I don't know what his role is yet, but I'm super excited. He does really well, as you probably could see from my country, The New Age. He does really well in Seguks, um, in historical dramas. So um, the premise itself already sounds super interesting, and I'm excited. I hope that the production quality is going to be amazing. Um, and I feel like this is going to be like, like W when it's like parallel universes, but one is kind of like historical and one set in the modern world. So um, I'm excited about that. And yeah, there's just so many um, Korean dramas that are going to premiere next year that is making my K-drama heart just like pounding with excitement because there's just seems to be so many upcoming ones that seem to be really good so um i'm betting that 2020 is gonna be a good year for korean dramas and you know that means we're gonna talk a lot more in these podcasts
And we are back. And this is the K-pop section of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where we talk about everything Korean entertainment related on a Monday night, <laughs> such as tonight. Uh, so this is the K-pop section. If you are listening on Anchor FM or Spotify, you would have heard a tiny snippet of the song that I'm going to talk about. Um, this is... Uh, anyways, we're going to talk about two different uh, ladies of K-pop, as I would like to say this section is about. Uh, very different contrasting um, solo singers. Uh, first of all, um, you might have listened to that snippet, and it's a song called What You Waiting For. It is a song from Anda featuring RT. A uh, little bit of information, Woon Ji, uh, better known by her stage name Anda, is a South Korean pop singer who debuted in 2012 using the stage name Anda Miro under Trophy Entertainment. In 2018, she signed under YGX, which is a sub-label of YG Entertainment. Um, She became quite known for her unique style of music, blending Eurodance and hip-hop and a lot of synths. Um, I discovered this song just like deep diving on Spotify. Uh, Shout out to Spotify. This is not sponsored. Uh, But as I was trying to discover more kind of lesser known uh, K-pop acts. uh, And definitely um, K-pop. The world of K-pop is more friendly to groups. Especially uh, girl groups and boy groups. Um, And they're not specific. uh, The world of Gaio of... uh, popular music in korea is not that friendly to solo singers so um i kind of made it uh, a bit of a dive into like discovering more um solo singers in the past week or so um i have talked about eric nam who is uh, a solo singer as well and i love his songs and i was trying to find uh more uh female solo singers aside from IU and Chungha, um, Sunmi, who are more famous. So, uh, Anda is definitely one of those, um, solo singers that are slowly making their mark, uh, transitioning from more of an indie singer to more mainstream. Um, what you're waiting for is definitely a revelation. It is quite experimental. And it's very fiercely psychedelic in its tone and its like sound. Uh, Anda's vocals lend to a very powerful song. Um, the talk is essentially talking about a love confession. Um, this is like a song that you would probably hear uh, in a club, but uh, the the context of the song is about confessing your love to somebody just kind of like just the lyrics i guess like the meaning of the song 
and the sound itself that the vibe it's carrying is a little bit jarring um she is paired with rt who is one of the resident producers and rappers under ygx uh and he does a lot of blaring synths and this like weird kind of glitchy background noises um but because of that it creates this like very distinctive fun single that is honestly for me if i heard this at a club not that i go to clubs a lot <laughs> oh god um it's not that hard it's hard not to dance to this song because it's the beats are just there it makes you want to like get up and dance um and it's quite unique in the scope of what you compared to what you would usually hear in k-pop especially in the terms of solo singers um i've heard that anda was actually called like korea's like lady gaga and i feel like her music does kind of feel like early lady gaga kind of like telephone and like that just dance like that early earlier lady gaga saw like era um not how lady gaga's sound is now but like that earlier lady gaga she does have a little bit of that feel and that vibe and um i'm so excited to actually discover more of on this uh discography and her songs uh and she's slowly getting out there and getting her her sound out there and more and more people are discovering including me who's in the other side of the world so um check it out um like i said you might have heard a snippet of the song if you're an anchor fm or on spotify um same thing with the next uh soloist that i'm going to talk about um you're going to hear a little bit of the the song that i'm going to talk about towards the end of me talking about it <laughs> uh and this one is a song called we don't talk together uh by heist featuring giri boy uh jung dahe uh better known by her stage name heist uh she is a singer songwriter and a composer who debuted in 2014 under stone music uh she is one of the competitors in the reality show on pretty rap star 2 uh, but unfortunately she was eliminated in the semi-finals um this song has uh in contrast to Anda's uh what you waiting for i mean they're both talking about like love and relationships um but Anda's uh what you waiting for has a very strong powerful underlying beats to it throughout the song and it's unrelenting um but in comparison uh heist is doing something different uh in the song we don't talk together um this one has a very easy um melodic tone with a lot of 80s edm um it's a song that just like even in the beginning the first like few sections of it already has like a very underlying sweetness to it as she talks about this emotional hold of an unsettled uh relationship and um both songs are talking about like love and like the perils of being in a relationship and um heist kind of takes it to an opposite tonal like sound that it's a lot 
more like bittersweet to it and a little bit cheerful. Um, it's it's quite raw yet somewhat restrained in how it delivers uh, the beats to it. And vocally, highs is like just sounds very like refreshing uh, and just soft um, in a way uh, because her voice is quite clear and distinctive uh, that has this like soft underbelly to it. Um, it it already is a different breed of breakup songs. And um, I know I talked about breakup songs and a lot of relationship songs and that is the same thing with this with uh we don't talk together because it's it's distinctively definitely a a a breakup song um two different soloists that have two different feels two different takes on um the complexities of love uh and they're showing that through their music and um it's 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 quite unusual for in k-pop to to hear two indie singers or not very mainstream singers um just develop such such a distinct um sound to them that they're they're adding into the k-pop uh landscape and that's what Thais and Anda are doing so um I'm definitely looking forward to checking out more of their songs um like I said if you are on Anchor FM or Spotify you're gonna hear a snippet of we Don't Talk Together by Heist featuring Geary Boy after this section. If not, you're going to hear like a generic uh, non-copyrighted song that's equally going to be awesome. So don't skip over that. And I will be back to talk very briefly uh, in the K-drama, uh, not K-drama, <laughs> very briefly on the K-beauty section on a toner that I have been loving so far. So look forward to that after the break.
Hey, and now we have reached the last third of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. And this is the K-beauty section of this podcast, uh, where I usually talk about Korean beauty products that I have been trying out and have been enjoying and would recommend. Um, I usually talk about Korean makeup brands and Korean skincare brands. Specifically lipsticks, if you've been following this podcast for a while now, for the past few episodes. Um, but I am actually going to talk about a toner that I have been trying out. Uh, for the past few weeks, I've been on like this period of time when I'm just trying out different toners. Um, I have talked about a, col- about a couple of them, including the Mamon uh one i talked about recently the it's skin uh tiger sika on the last podcast episode uh, i've also talked quite a lot about fun and parks beauty water which is still one of the toners that i still like really like to use uh amazing amazing toner um we're gonna talk about a toner from dear claire's so this is dear claire's supple preparation facial toner um dear claire's is one of those brands that uh just really focus on all natural um ingredients and their packaging is very like eco-friendly much like my favorite korean brand innisfree and nature republic um so supple preparation facial toner this is the non-irritating toner that restores skin hydration and rejuvenates exhausted skin it balances and maintains skin ph to optimize the effectiveness and absorption of other products in your skincare routine so if you're doing uh the 10-step korean skincare routine this would be like step four step three um ingredients this is uh the dear claire supple preparation facial toner is made with centella asiatica like i said i love centella asiatica i use cos rx's um, blemish cream its skins tiger sika has it uh dr jart's uh sicapair line has them which i use as well it's just one of those natural like acne fighting treatment type of like plants that i really really love uh, so that it, this one does have centella, centella asiatica, and I think that's why too that the bottle is in this kind of like a amber glass bottle because it's supposed to keep the light out and it's supposed to be photosensitive. Uh, although I'm not too sure if that's from the centella or if that's because of the centella asiatica or something else. Anyways, uh, centella asiatica or tiger sika or of all the other names that it's called, it's uh my favorite <laughs> it also has licorice root and other plant extracts this calming toner penetrates deeply into the skin and is ideal for anyone who wants a healthy glow um what do i love about this toner so far um it is vegan uh from what i gathered not that i am vegan but it's good to know that stuff is natural uh, it is lightweight, yet it has, um, I would say it's a lot less watery than its skin's Tiger Sika. Um, 
this is lightweight but it still has a uh, kind of like a more uh it has more viscosity than your usual toner that's more liquidy and more watery um i wouldn't say that this is closer to the consistency of micellar water or sun and parks beauty water uh this one is more closer to like a true toner that it has a little bit of more uh, viscosity to it a little bit thicker uh, and not as watery as your usual toner um the scent for me, smells very herby, kind of like a very plant-like, which doesn't bother me, but it might bother bother you or other people, just because it leaves. It's not like citrusy or flower or anything like that. It just smells like herbs, and like very plant and like you know, uh, very flora smelling, uh, flora and fauna fauna smelling kind of toner. Um, like I mentioned in an intro, I actually have tried, uh, Dear Claire's is actually a Korean brand that I actually love just because of how their packaging is and how the, the substances, uh, are in their products. I've tried, uh, a couple of their, their products before. Uh, including, um, the, I think I mentioned it in a podcast, uh, episode before under K-Beauty, but I actually have tried their, uh, Midnight Blue, uh, calming cream, which actually does come, it's not actually a dark blue, it's actually, like, a very light, palish, uh, kind of, like, sea blue kind of color, uh, which, it's a calming cream, it's a moisturizing cream, which I love to use a lot, uh, as my night cream and just to kind of like repair my skin after a long day um, or conversely when I come from my night shift uh, for my job I do use it during the day just right before I sleep that's the the, the moisturizer that I I slather on my my face <laughs> um, and it's quite good it's quite a uh, very healing um and I've always wished that it actually um, came in a uh, a bigger bottle because it is uh, it comes in a tiny tiny um, jar, and it's not the most. Uh, you end up just using a tiny tiny bit just because you don't want to use up the entire like jar for your entire face. So uh, I've had the one that I had for like a uh, a good I would say like three months now. <laughs> And I I still have like maybe tiny tiny bit left in there, so um uh, it is possible to um to actually use it, <laughs> uh sparingly, but I think if you actually put more, it's actually more like calming and like rejuvenating to the skin, uh. But yeah, I just didn't want to like pay thirty bucks to get another one so very quickly, um yeah. Anyways, another product of theirs that I have used and I have been using is from their Freshly Juiced line. And I use quite a lot of like citrus-based, like um, brightening type of uh, products. And um, this one specifically is Dear Claire's Freshly Juiced Vitamin Drop. Um, 
I might have talked about it in a previous uh, podcast episode, but this is one of the serums that I use. That's also from Dear Claire's, and it is quite effective. It's a good shot of vitamin C for your uh, skin just to fade like acne scars, which I have a lot. It tightens the pores. It evens out the skin tone. Um, so it's definitely, Dear Claire's has a lot of products that... Um, I would love to explore more, and I'm so glad I actually ended up trying their toners, uh, especially this one. The, the Supple uh, Preparation Toners actually has a lot of very good reviews online, and um, so far, it's doing great on my face. Um, I'm not sure it really helps a lot with the oiliness, but uh, it might really end up being like a toner that I would use mostly at night. Because it, it doesn't really do that much in terms of oiliness. So I've been kind of using the It's Skin Tiger Sika Calming Water more in the morning. Uh, just to get rid of, uh, prepare my face and like kind of lessen the oiliness throughout the day. And then this one is a lot more um, helpful to use at night. Just because it is, uh, I would say much more uh moisturizing and rejuvenating and healing to the skin in terms of toners but i would definitely recommend it to anybody looking into this product uh to this brand dear claire's it's one of those korean brands that are steadily making its way through the k-beauty scene so um and maybe in the future i'll talk about more products that i try from them
And you have reached the end of podcast episode 13. And this might as well be the last podcast of ours in 2019. And we will see you guys next time. Probably, hopefully next week when it is 2020 with episode uh, 14 of the podcast. Yet again, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I love doing this podcast so far for the past few months. It's been an adventure and I've been so thankful to any of you guys out there who's been listening to this podcast where I just ramble on about my thoughts about Korean entertainment especially Korean dramas. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, definitely let me know what you want me to talk about. Um, you can go on anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink. Neon has two ends forward slash message just to let me know. You can also leave me a voice message there and we can add it to the podcast if you want. That would be so much fun. Um or you can tweet me at our socials at peach neon pink neon again has two ends um and if you follow me there i do post a lot about uh like the dramas that i've been talking about k dramas that i've started watching thoughts fangirling whatnot a lot of just random more round random ramblings of stuff on there you can also check out my website at www.peachneonpink again neon has two ends dot com to read my blog post i also have uh one minute vlogs on there and a bunch of other stuff that i talk about just in general like random things so um so yeah you guys happy new year uh thank you again for being an amazing 2019 my podcast lovelies and i look forward to 2020 so yeah see you guys next year <laughs>